3: And we're still talking about revolution.
2: Hello and welcome to the Do and Time show. This is 3CR Community Radio, 855 AM on the dial, streaming live on www.3cr.org.au. And a warning that this show may contain audio images of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people who have died. This show is dedicated to asylum seekers and refugees. And it is the third show where I will be airing some interviews on some interesting High Court decisions or a, an interesting High Court decision that has come through recently about asylum seekers and refugees and detention being unlawful. There have been lots of implications around that. It's a very complex topic. And last Monday we interviewed Max Costello, Um, from the Refugee Action Collective, and I'm going to be interviewing him again today because we wanted to have a continuation of that discussion. And I want to welcome Max to the studio. Thanks, Marisa. It's so lovely to have you. And then after, Max, we will be speaking with Josephine Lambini, who is a senior lawyer from the Human Rights Law Centre, to give us the legal perspective of what is happening with this High Court Decisions. Decision. Max and I will discuss, first of all, the political issues and there's an article that he's written that he will talk about and he'll share that title with us pretty soon. And then after that, he will stay for the whole show and we will um, hear from Josephine as well. It's approximately 4.02. And over to you, Max.
1: Uh, thanks, Marissa. I'll just mention something quickly by way of introduction. Uh, Marissa was mentioning before we came on air, that uh, this is, I think, her first interview since the COVID days. Well, three and a half years ago, in the depths of COVID, Refugee Action Collective Victoria held a car cavalcade in support of the medevac men in the Mantra Hotel in Preston. We did that because... Uh, You couldn't go out and you couldn't visit them, but we thought, and we did, that uh, if we drove around with signs painted on or chalked on or uh, signs held from inside cars, they could see us and know that we hadn't forgotten them and that they were being cared, you know, they were in our thoughts and we supported them. And uh, they were able to uh, gesture back from the from the windows and it, it was very, they much, they greatly appreciate it, but the police didn't. They uh, issued uh, what people call an on-the-spot fine, a penalty infringement notice on about 30 Vic members and supporters for breaching, they said, a, a technical aspect of the COVID restrictions. Um, Some people paid the penalty amount, Um, some people wanted a day in court and they had that but they pleaded guilty, but last Wednesday at Heidelberg Magistrates Court, three and a half years later, the magistrate um, oversaw the case against the remaining seven. And cut a long story short, the police case was (laughs) ill-prepared. Yeah. And the police said, oh, we haven't had enough time. And the magist- I'm told the magistrate said something like, oh, three years, not enough. But I wasn't in the courtroom. I might have been a witness if the case had proceeded. But the next day, Thursday, the uh, police announced that they were dropping all charges. So they dropped all charges
2: even though they, Chris Breen from the Refugee Action Collective, wasn't even able to get to that protest because they raided his
1: home. Yes, and, and and again, he escaped uh, uh, a finding of guilt because um, not because the charges weren't brought, but because of um, again, uh, I suppose you could say incompetence um, uh, on a legal aspect, um, and uh, so he he wasn't uh, he wasn't uh, it was case dismissed, I think so. That it's all you know in a, a tiny little victory in one way, but every bit counts. And um, and uh, I was prepared to say, if called as a witness, that we knew from the likes of um, Moz and others how much they valued just the visual support. It was what kept them going. That someone cared, um, and that's oh, why. They, that was during lockdown. That was during um, lockdown, and the 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 the. the Sort of reason for going, and, and we said we were out there under, under exception number four, providing care and compassion. So we that's thought right. we thought we were legal, and anyway, that's just a quick, a quick uh, intro because it's very recent. Absolutely, and I do remember
2: um two thousand twenty. I was doing a lot of extensive coverage from home during lockdown, and we couldn't go anywhere. We had that five kilometer radius as well, um, and. I was doing a lot of um, interviews, not only with Chris Breen, but also with um, lawyers about protest and repression during the COVID.
1: And it was just uh, a crazy time. Well, another, um, as you mentioned, uh, Marissa, I wrote a piece in the Australia, it was published a week or so ago in the Australian Independent Media Network. Yeah. And when I sent the piece to the editors there, the heading was, Labour didn't need to quote do a dutton in response to the uh, high court decision.
2: Tell us about the high court decision and and perhaps quote bits out of your article to put it in context.
1: Right, it 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 was a case that overturned the twenty year old case of Al Mr Al Um He was. Uh, the Palestinian, um, therefore he was stateless, and when you're stateless, there's no country to return you to, and they couldn't find anyone, any other country to take him. So the High Court was, he was facing indefinite immigration detention. By a narrow majority, four to three, the High Court held that it was lawful for him to be detained indefinitely. This case, very similar. Uh, a stateless person and one who couldn't be, they tried 10 different countries, no one would take him. And uh, this time a majority, uh, we haven't got the written decision, but the recently appointed Chief Justice Stephen Gagler, G-A-G-E-L-E-R, he announced that quote, at least a majority of the judges who'd heard the case agreed that indefinite immigration was unconstitutional. Just quickly on that, the, that means only the courts can uh, punish people, you know, by, for example, finding them guilty and sentencing them to prison. Uh, for years, the the High Court had taken the view that immigration detention wasn't punitive, it was only, quote, administrative. But if you're going to spend the rest of your life locked up, that's surely, you know, the pub test, you know, that's clearly punitive, and that's what he announced. But we haven't got the written decision. But nonetheless, the government just had to act promptly and release, uh, I think it was 92 um people who are in that situation, they were either stateless or couldn't be returned to any country. See, some countries won't take them back. Iran, for example, will not take people back. And so the Labor government, <clears throat> uh, it was the case was brought against Minister for Immigration, Andrew Giles, but the uh, Home Affairs Minister... Ms O'Neill, she took a bit of the running in the media commentary and said, yes, we had to release them. Not our decision. We argued against it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, Labor was arguing for indefinite immigration detention. Just think on that for a moment. But OK, the High Court decided we have to obey it and she set about releasing them, or her department did, But it was quickly announced that because some of these people had committed very serious offences, they'd served time in prison, Uh, then they went from prison to immigration detention to await deportation, but they couldn't be deported. They were either stateless or sending them back where they came from would put their lives at risk, Um, uh, or no one had taken them, so they were released. But what Ms O'Neill announced was that Via the visa system, the Labor government would impose very, very strict conditions to, quote, protect the Australian community. So
2: what does that mean, really? I mean, it's not really about protection, is it?
1: Well, that's what was said. And I wrote this piece because I've been saying this for a while and so have others. That when a non when a citizen commits a serious offence, you know that it could be rape, it could be murder, it could mm. be whatever. That citizen found guilty, sentenced to a prison. Once he or she has served the time, he or she is released. Now there are, with say child sex offences in particular, there are controls. They are placed on a sex offenders register. They're not allowed to obviously leave or go near. Uh, if it's child sex offending, uh, a school or where children are and so on. So the criminal justice system already has for Australian citizen serious offenders a set of controls where necessary to protect the community. So that's the first point I make in my article, that that since there are controls already on citizen offenders, um, well... No big deal. All citizen offenders are released, so uh, it should happen the same with non-citizen offenders. And okay, they they the controls would have to be via a visa condition. That's a, a technical difference. But look, in principle, it's the same. They've done their time, and as this show has said, I'm doubtless repeatedly, you've done yeah. your time. You you're out in the community again. Well,
2: that's right, but not not for these these asylum seekers. And in fact. I think a couple of weeks ago, and we were starting to talk about this last week on Insiders. They were talking about some of the some of the measures that um, you know the, the Labor government wants to take now to to control these non citizens.
1: Yes, now I will there there are conditions, and they've set up a new not a sorry not a new category of visa, but they've they've passed it's gone through the Parliament, and they're now. New sections in the Migration act that create offences for breaching these new conditions like um, wearing a monitoring device, otherwise known, known as a an ankle bracelet, um, reporting to authorities every so often, however not and and, and others but i 'll leave Josephine to deal with yeah
2: yeah absolutely and it 's because it 's getting up to nearly four fifteen now, so I think we should have. A couple of announcements and then perhaps Josephine can come and I can ask her about this stuff. And then if you're happy to stay with me on the show, we can talk about it some more. How does
1: that sound? That's fine by me.
0: Okay, we're just going to go into an announcement. Stand in solidarity with Palestine this Sunday.
1: With the most devastating attack ever launched on the people of Gaza, it's time for all of us to stand in solidarity with the Palestinian people.
0: Israel has waged war on the Palestinians for the last 75 years. The Nakba, ethnic cleansing, occupation of the West Bank, East Jerusalem and Gaza. Israel has now imposed a total blockade on Gaza and declared war, stopping food, electricity and fuel and launching an all-out attack.
1: We have to mobilise to show our support for Palestine. 12pm State Library this Sunday...
0: Rally to demand freedom and justice for Palestine. No war on Gaza.
1: Free Palestine Melbourne is a 3CR supporter.
0: Stand in solidarity with Palestine this Sunday. With the-
4: Tune in to Health Sovereignty, 3CR's International Day of People with Disability Broadcast. On 3rd of December, 7am to 7pm, we're talking about what health, wellbeing and body sovereignty mean for multiply-marginalised disabled people, their kin and communities living on unceded Indigenous lands, with programming by disabled broadcasters from the 3CR and broader community. Visit 3cr.org.au forward slash Disability Day 2023.
2: And you're back with the Do and Time show, and it's approximately 4.15. And joining us now in the st- – well, actually, Max, Max Costello from the Refugee Action Collective is in the studio, and you just heard uh, an interview with him, and we're going to be doing some more discussion and analysis later. But joining us as well on the phone is going to be Josephine Lambini, a senior lawyer from the Human Rights Law Centre. Uh, we will see if her title has changed. I will double-check that. Um, but, yeah, she will be speaking with us about the, the High Court decision to make de- indefinite detention unlawful for asylum seekers and refugees. And I will be speaking with her about the legal perspective and some of the implications um, in terms of the fact that they're not allowed to serve their time. Um, Well, they they need to serve more time and also the fact that they're stateless. Hello, Josephine. Welcome to the program.
4: Hi, Marissa. Thanks for having me. It's so lovely to have you. And in fact,
2: listeners may recall that we have interviewed Josephine quite a few times about quite a number of uh, atrocities and violation of human rights that have happened over the years, Josephine.
4: It's true. It's um, always a pleasure to join you to discuss these very important issues.
2: Lovely. Now, I just wanted to let you know also that I also have in the studio Max Costello. Um, I will be conducting the interview, but he will be here with us.
4: Great. Hi, Max.
1: How are you, Sven? Yeah,
2: so I, we're, we're going to be um, speaking about the political stuff again later on, um, but for now... Could you just talk to us a little bit about the work of the Human Rights Law Centre and, indeed, some of the stuff that's been happening in regards to this High Court decision, Josephine?
4: Uh, definitely. I mean, it's a big, It's been a big. Um, it's been a big couple of weeks, Marissa. Um So, the Human Rights Law Centre is a um, a community legal centre that that's focused on. Um, trying to alleviate um, injustice and and work with um, communities across Australia to uh, improve our laws and improve equality. Um, One of the matters that we were involved with recently was this High Court case, which you mentioned. Um, The the case was brought by a plaintiff uh, who went by the pseudonym NZYQ. Um, And this was a case heard by the High Court a couple of weeks ago uh, that uh, in, a, in a really hugely significant decision, the High Court effectively ended the practice of indefinite immigration detention in Australia. So the court overturned a two decades old authority that had previously allowed the government to lock people up in immigration detention for as long as they wanted, you know, potentially for a person's whole life, um, simply because. Someone didn't have a visa and, and couldn't be removed from Australia. But the High Court um, in this case held that the government can no longer continue to detain a person if there's no real prospect that the government can actually deport that person in the foreseeable future. And so the court decided that ongoing detention in those circumstances is unconstitutional. Uh, So this was, a, as I said, a really hugely significant decision, um, which has had um, really profound consequences for a lot of people.
2: Max and I were just discussing um, before you came on air prior to, just about how um, people who are citizens can serve their time and go back into the community. And yet um, asylum seekers and refugees can't do that, mm. the non-citizens, I should say. And mm. that, what is that? Can you explain that from a legal mm. perspective and what happens there?
4: Yeah, definitely. So it's a, it's, a really, um, it's a really crucial difference that you point out. So every day Australian citizens who have been convicted of a crime and have served their sentence are released back into the community um, and that's because our criminal legal system is supposed to allow for this concept of rehabilitation. So most people are allowed to go back to their families and their communities and, and get on with their lives. Um, now, people who happen to be migrants and refugees shouldn't be treated any differently, but um, because we have a, an incredibly harsh um, visa cancellation regime in Australia... Uh, what tends to happen to people who are visa holders um, is that if if they are sentenced to a term of imprisonment um, of a particular length or if um, if that 's been combined with a few other factors, the government um, very often cancels people 's visas and so at the conclusion of their sentence they are taken from prison into immigration detention. Now some people are then removed from Australia to their countries of origin but For people who can't be removed, and so we're talking really about people um, who are stateless or people who are owed um, protection obligations, so they have no safe third country to go to, Um, they can't be removed and so they end up staying in detention and they end up stuck in detention for years upon years and um, up until very recently the government was perfectly content to allow people to stay there potentially for the rest of their lives. Um, the government had not provided any sort of pathway to um, freedom or, or any solution to this situation.
2: So I don't understand. I mean, it, mm. it, it, it doesn't make,
4: <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. It actually doesn't
2: make sense. <laughs> and this is why I invited Max Costello from the Refugee Action Collective to join me in the studio today, why I spoke to him last week and why I've actually got you on air today. And at the end, getting towards the end of our interview, I'm going to ask Max to, to comment on what you've said, if that's okay, Josephine. Mm, but before we do that, I mean, what does it all mean in practice? I mean, in terms of if they're staying in det- detention,
4: mm-hmm.
2: isn't that unlawful?
4: Well, it is now. Um, but it wasn't until until the High Court's decision a couple of weeks ago. And now? And so, and so now... Now we have a situation where it's very clearly unconstitutional for the government to continue to detain someone if there's no realistic chance that the government can actually deport a person. So the High Court's decision isn't, unfortunately, isn't going to undo this visa cancellation regime that we have. So there are still going to be people who at the end of their prison sentence are really unfortunately taken to immigration detention and some people will continue to be removed from Australia. But the people who are impacted by this court decision are the people who can't be removed from Australia and so now the High Court has said that people in this situation must be released into the community.
2: And yet, and yet the government is wanting to put in... A- Quote safeguards. Unquote.
4: That's right. And so last week we saw this incredibly disappointing knee-jerk response from the government, <clears throat> which further punishes these people who have just been released from years and years of indefinite immigration detention. Um, it's it's a it's a set of laws that were rushed through Parliament to impose some draconian conditions on the visas that people are being issued when they've been released from detention. Um, There's about 10 mandatory conditions that are being applied to people's visas um, that are being applied regardless of people's personal circumstances or or whether they've ever committed an offence or not. And so these conditions involve things like ongoing monitoring, restrictions on people's movement and activities, Um, Some people are going to be subject to nightly curfews and forced to wear ankle bracelets, so to be subject to 24-7 electronic monitoring. And perhaps the most concerning part of all of this is that some of those conditions are now being enforced with the threat of criminal sanctions. So a breach of some of these conditions comes with a mandatory minimum one-year imprisonment sentence. And so people are at risk of going to prison for something as simple as failing to tell the government about a new housemate that moved in with them or forgetting to tell the government that they went for a weekend trip interstate, for example, or they got home a few minutes after curfew. And so the people who have been released as a result of this court judgment are now being subjected to this this ongoing... Monitoring and control regime that is that is harsher than anyone else in the Australian community is is subjected to, and it's being imposed simply because these people are migrants and refugees, and because both sides of politics has um, have decided to politicise this issue, and so people are now going to be living under these really punitive visa conditions um, potentially forever, and they're going to have really disastrous impacts on people's ability to to rebuild their lives.
2: And there's so much in the media now, oh, but this person's a sex offender or this person's done, you know, mm. horrendous crimes. But what about, and Max and I were just saying before, what about citizens are also sex offenders and they don't get subjected to that? Is that a fair enough statement?
4: Absolutely. That, that's, that's an absolutely fair enough statement. You know, no one is disputing that, some people in the, in this cohort who are affected by the court judgment have been convicted of, of terribly serious crimes. But other people within that cohort have no convictions whatsoever. And there are people in that cohort that are sort of everywhere in between. But regardless of, of any of that, you know, it's, it's these are people who have been singled out for harsher treatment than anyone else um, because... Instead of just respecting the high court's decision, the government has decided to create a special regime just for this group of people, and I think we we really need to reject this uh, suggestion that that people affected by this court decision are at any greater risk of reoffending than anyone else would be.
2: Well, how it, it how doesn't make sense exactly? I mean, how is being an asylum seeker or refugee, a recipe for offending. I mean, that can even border, go on to racial, racial profiling.
4: I, I think I think you're absolutely right, Marissa. I think it's. Um, I think we've seen some really dangerous dog whistling going on in the media over the past few weeks, and and very much from particularly the coalition. The way people have been um, demonised is just. Um, yeah, it's really disappointing to see.
2: And also the character test and the visa. Max and I were discussing last week and today. We were touching on it last week about the, the visas. What's that called again? The... the bridging
4: visas?
2: Max, what was the number?
1: Uh, the Section 501 yeah. has the character test, and it's one of several sort of linked sections in the Migration Act that require people um, charged with serious offences and others, but they're the core, uh, when they're charged with a serious offence, must have their, their visas must be cancelled, and when that happens, they're an unlawful non-citizen and they must go into immigration detention. So can you comment on that, Josephine?
4: Yeah, I mean, Max is absolutely right, um, and that is exactly what I was speaking about earlier in terms of our really yeah. harsh visa, like visa cancellation regime. So we've got this thing called the character test, And it basically gives the Department of Home Affairs um, the right to cancel people's visas. Um, It could be for criminal offending, but it could also be simply for behaviour that the government decides that it doesn't like. The government has the power to cancel someone's visa based simply on um, a suspicion of wrongdoing or on the basis of charges that are later withdrawn or because um, or because a person has associated with another person that the government doesn't like, it's an incredibly wide-ranging test. It's an incredibly broad power that the government has to cancel people's visas. so you can see how people end up in this in these circumstances of being stuck in immigration detention um, for years uh, through a, a whole range of different uh, different pathways and experiences and so the the people that', we're, talking about who are affected by this court judgment are a really, um, a really varied group
2: of people. Could that not set a precedent? I mean, an injury to one is an injury to all. Uh, mm. Set a precedent for activists or people that, you know, protesters or even people that are citizens, mm. uh, like, the, you know, the anti-terrorist legislation that they had in, over in uh, the Patriot Act in America. You know, it sounds yeah. like the asylum seekers okay. perhaps are used as, being used as, as guinea pigs for wider legislation.
4: It's a really slippery slope, Marissa.
0: It is. I think you
4: make a really good point. Um, This concept of subjecting people to monitoring conditions regardless of any actual risk that they pose or any um, subjective assessment or any oversight of a court, I think this is incredibly dangerous. And to couple that with mandatory minimum sentences, for breaches of visa conditions. This is, this is a, a huge overreach from the government in my view. It's the first time that the breach of visa conditions has been criminalised. So that is, that's a new line that we have crossed. Um, and I think, I think that these are punitive and unreasonable and unjustified laws. Um, And the government needs to be really careful when it's making laws in this area because we've seen, not just in the case of NZYQ, but in a couple of other decisions from the High Court recently, the court doesn't take a a particularly high um, or favourable view of the government um, straying into the sphere of of punishment. You know, punishment is something... It's a role that is reserved exclusively for the courts in Australia and um, the government needs to be very wary of... um, of imposing uh, laws and conditions that that could be punitive,
2: but that has not been finalised yet as yet, has it? Just to clarify,
4: what was what the was decision
1: hasn't been published. Yeah, it has been published. That's
4: right. We don't yet have the reasons um, for the court. We've got their orders, but we don't have the full um, reasons of the court. Um, no doubt they will be with us sometime soon, and um, and we'll be able to understand a bit more about precisely where the court has decided that the lawful limits of, of immigration detention lies.
2: It's, yeah, because I think the legislation hasn't gone through yet either, has it, about, you know, the, the measures yet to deal with the all this. The breaching
4: visa conditions. So, unfortunately, that bill was introduced and passed last Oh, week. it was passed. Um, oh, things are happening so quickly. So quickly. The government has actually introduced another bill today to um, add some further conditions and some further criminal offences to that regime, and uh, I expect that that will be passed very quickly as well.
2: So if people want to read more about the bills, where can they go?
4: Um, we do have an explainer on our website at hrc.org.au. Um, you should be able to navigate through that website, and we've got a little legal explainer of um, the Bridging Visa Conditions Bill um, that was passed. Um Yes, or there's, of course, plenty of of commentary floating around in the media.
2: And the people that are stateless, this is the thing that that beggars belief, Josephine.
4: Mm, Yeah. That's right, that's right. We're talking about people who simply have nowhere else to go, people who haven't chosen to be in this situation, who probably would have gladly gladly, uh, accepted going anywhere if they had any other place to go, but... um, for people who've been denied citizenship by the, their countries of birth, they've got no other option.
2: So before you go, Josephine, um, I just wanted to give you, Max, an opportunity to comment on any of the legal stuff. Are you able to do that? you want to do that?
1: Yeah, there's so many things to say. Just on the penalties, uh, you mentioned the, the the minimum of one year, the maximum is five year for these mm-hmm. newly created offences. But there's also... Uh, a, a financial penalty of uh, 300 penalty units these days a Commonwealth penalty unit is $313 uh, you, you never get the maximum but if you did that's uh, a fine of, of $93,900 uh, how's a person who's been in immigration detention for years uh, going to pay anything? You know, anything much less a substantial monetary penalty as well as Doing further time, um, but I'll just quickly uh, get to a few key points. I wrote an article. Uh, uh, you might have seen Josephine in the Australian Immigration, sorry, <laughs> Australian Independent Media Network. I mentioned what you've been covering. That c- what's the difference? Citizens do their time and then release. Why? Why aren't non-citizens released? Uh, admittedly, the the because they're in this visa graveyard sort of situation, the strict conditions, somewhat similar, but they look sound a lot harsher than the than the ordinary citizen offences like child offenders, you know, sex offenders being restricted and so on. Um, what the government should have been saying is, look, there's not a great deal to see here. The High Court's made a decision. All it does is bring non-citizens into line with citizens. They do their time, they're released, and if necessary, yeah. they're placed on conditions. But could I just add one more thing? The the, the evil spectre in here is the instant cancellation of visa if, you, if you're charged. I mean, you could be visa cancelled or less, but let's take the hard cases. You're charged with a serious offence. Your visa's cancelled. And if I'm right, Josephine, you're more knowledgeable than I are on this. As I understand it, if your visa's cancelled, you're a non-citizen, therefore you're put immediately in immigration detention. You can't, am I right? You can't apply for bail?
4: Oh, that's right. If, if your visa's cancelled and you're detained, there's, there's no bail process. And ordinarily, the way um, the government does these things is that they'll wait until a person has, has finished their sentence, or if, if there is a sentence, um, they'll wait until a person's finished their time in prison then cancel the visa and take people directly into immigration
1: detention, and there's no there's no bail process. So there's there. no bail in, at the front end, if you like. Therefore, the person can't work. He or she might exactly. be supporting a family, and then at the other end, you do your time. You straight away become another non citizen again, back in immigration detention. As far as I understand, you don't get the chance of parole. You shorten the sentence and start to ease yourself back into the community. You, exactly, you lose that as well, uh, but. If what we propose Ref, Refugee Action Collective in our submission to this big inquiry into Australian human rights framework is that instead of the visas being cancelled, wording, this is just a suggestion, but, but, that the visa have inserted at the front of it a provisional pending clarification, whether it's tourist visa, student visa, whatever. Uh, you therefore can remain... Out in the community on bail, if you could be uh, you know refuse bail, but you you, you could not, you needn't be and then when you finish your sentence um the question arises as should your visa be restored or perhaps another visa but it, it this this five o one the the government claims for its monthly uh, statistical bullet that over ninety percent of immigration detainees have a criminal record. Well, that's because they cancel the visas and put them in jail and tie them up. Exactly.
2: It's approximately 4.37 and you're listening to an interview with Josephine Lambini and also in conversation with Max Costello, veteran activist from the Refugee Action Collective. So what do you think, Josephine, before you go? We've kept you here a long time. I hope you don't mind. Not at
4: all. (laughs) Probably refreshing for you. No, it's been, it's been a pleasure speaking with both of you. Thank you so much.
2: <laughs> Do you want to comment a little bit on, on Max's, um, what Max just said oh, before I you go? I
4: strongly strongly agree with everything that, that Max has said and I think we need to go back and remember what immigration detention is supposed to be for. It's, you know, detention, immigration detention isn't prison. It's not allowed to be punitive. The government has never had the power to use immigration detention as a way to um, extend people's sentences or to segregate people, that's, that's never been a permissible purpose. And yet we've seen over the past few decades successive governments just slip into this habit of using detention as a way to warehouse people that it doesn't like, um, to, to lock people up and throw away the key when the government has no other solution. And that's that's... the the High Court has said that this is no longer permissible. And so the government is going to need to radically rethink the way that it it uses immigration detention and the way that it manages that visa cancellation regime. Um, And hopefully hopefully, we can um, find some path to a better future where people can stay in the community and stay connected with their families and their loved ones and their lives while their visa status is being resolved.
2: Josephine, thank you so much for coming onto the program. Can you just give the um, Human Rights Law Centre website and and uh, any final comments?
4: Yeah, of course. It's just hrlc.org.au. And, um, yeah, plenty of information on, on that website if, if people are interested. Thanks so much for your time, Marissa, and thanks, Max.
2: Thanks a lot, Josephine. Talk to you soon. Thank Bye. you. Bye-bye. And that was Josephine Lambini from the Human Rights Law Centre and we did an extended interview and also had some wonderful input as well from Max Costello who is an activist from the
1: Refugee Action Collective and I hope you're going to be staying on with us, Max. Uh, Yes, and and, um, thanks. I'm so grateful because just wrapping up what both of us have been saying uh, or, or building up to it, we, th- I think we both agreed, but I'll speak for myself and Rack Vic. Yeah, um, we want to see the end of immigration detention, uh, th- end it altogether. But there, and, and therefore, people if they come here as a, seeking asylum or whatever, um, they need to be, if you like, managed in inverted commas within the ordinary criminal justice system. Yeah. Why do we have two parallel systems that are both extraordinarily oppressive but also very expensive and unnecessary. Very unnecessary and it really
2: interconnects and, with the stopping the boats policy which is another Draconian measure, isn't it?
1: Uh, well, that's right. We've seen people going again to uh, Nauru and uh, this plays into uh, the, Mr Dutton's hands. Um, just, be, Labor fell into the trap of defending or explaining this uh, immigration detention of uh, alleged serious offenders. Oh, we don't want these sort of serious offenders in our community turning a complete blind eye to the fact that there are Australian citizens like this and they are in our community and by, by rights as well. See, they, they got themselves into the Dutton formula and then then... Felt themselves trapped in it, and now they're just what they're doing is converting what bits of immigration detention, the indefinite bit that they can't use anymore. What they're really doing is creating almost a system of indefinite home detention. You can't go. Indeed, you, you've got a curfew, you've got a ankle bracelet, uh, you've got monitoring, reporting, etc. Cetera, et cetera. You've got to explain your movements, but there's nothing to say how long that can go. Who knows?
2: Exactly. Now, if people want to get access to your article, Max, how can that happen?
1: Well, it's the AIM network, and uh, I, I think, I think the heading was. I've only got a copy of the text here. I think it was "Labor missed four pro-human rights opportunities offered by the recent High Court decision." It was published, I think, about ten days ago now, but. Um, AIM Network, and I must say I've got a typo. (laughs) Really? I said that Gagler announced that indefinite immigration detention was – I left out the word detention. That's all right. But the rest is okay. So let's
2: just take a very short break for a couple of minutes. I'm just going to put on an announcement, and we'll be right back.
1: a uh, logging operation. Any person found within this coop is offending. Can they please leave? You're allowed no closer than the bridge down the track there. Any person that's found in the coop will be arrested and charged. Uh I direct that you all leave now. Gecko's turning
0: 30 and we're having a party. The Goongare Environment Centre has been fighting to protect
4: East Gippsland's forest since 1993 and we want a party with you. There'll be music, performances, food, drink, old friends and new friends. What better way to celebrate the end of native forest logging in Victoria? From December 1st to the 3rd in Goongra, East Gippsland. To find out more, go to gecko.org.au.
0: Gecko, 30 years fighting for forests. Get down to the party. Celebrate with us. A 3CR supporter.
2: And in case you've just tuned in, this is the Do in Time Show, 3CR Community Radio, 855am on the dial, streaming live on www.3cr.org.au. And joining me in the studio, and he's been here for the the whole show, is Max Costello from the Refugee Action Collective. And we're talking quite a lot, aren't we, Max, about the High Court decision, which uh, about indef- indefinite deces- detention.
1: Yes, and we've we've covered a bit. There are a it few a, a few angles that I'd like to raise. I mean, one it, there's um, something I don't I can't recall where I read it, but it was online or in a in a I look at Liberty Victoria's um, list of relevant publication. Might have been one of those, but it it, it announced that the the defendant in the case, the High Court case who goes by they never use proper names at N Z Y Q. He is now, as a child sex offender, uh, he is now receiving counselling to help him deal with that uh, perhaps tendency of his behaviour and uh, he's getting the sort of treatment that he should have got all along. I mean, the people in immigration detention are under the control of the Home Affairs Department and a unit within Home Affairs. A lot of people think it's like a separate police force. It's not. Australian Border Force is just a unit within the Department of Home Affairs. And if you look at their website, it says, yeah. we are responsible for the good order and management of the immigration detention system, including the health and welfare of detainees. Well, tell the detainees that. So um, what... Happened to the people who were medevaced here, people like Moz and others. Oh, Moz is awesome. He, he, but they, they were brought here under the short-lived medevac amendments to the Migration Act, and what happened was that the first part of it was complied with. That is, if two treating doctors say they're very seriously ill and they can't be treated properly offshore, they're to be brought here. And the wording was for medical or psychiatric assessment or treatment. But what happened was, instead, they were locked up in hotels, so-called alternative places of detention. Now, some of them might have got some treatment, but by and large, my hunch is, our RACVIC's hunch is, that uh, Mr Pizzullo and uh, the Immigration Minister at the time might have had a little private chat and said, and I'm not alleging this, I'm just imagining it might have happened, might have said, well, all right, we're, we're stymied, uh, we lost one, uh, one seat majority, we've got two treating doctors saying they have to come here, well, we'll yeah, we'll bring them here, but uh, maybe they won't all get the treatment they need. And and here's a case where uh, it's but for the High Court decision, this fellow is now getting treatment, he's, he's being treated better than he, than he was all along. It's a, it's a sort of a strange anomaly, and that might apply to a few, actually.
2: Absolutely, and and in fact, you know, it's it's such a complex topic, and it shouldn't be complex, really. It shouldn't be.
1: No, it it, it shouldn't. And um, here's another non-complexity that merged into a shocking uh, complexity. When you, uh, an immigration detention facility, whatever it's called, or, you know, uh, alternative place of detention, uh, immigration transit uh, facility, whatever, it is a Commonwealth workplace. It is therefore subject to the Commonwealth Work Health and Safety mm-hmm. Act. And like all the Health and Safety Acts, it says if you run a workplace, you must ensure that the people in it, whether they're workers or other persons, Detainees being other persons, then you, operator, must ensure that they are not exposed to preventable risks to their health, including psychological health yeah. and safety. Now, I happened to prosec- be a prosecutor for WorkSafe years ago, and one of our members, Margaret Sinclair, has a diploma of work, health, and safety. Between the two of us, we wrote to Comcare 76 times of, since 19, uh, sorry 2016 and said, look, here's the evidence, very dangerous to health, blah, 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 with evidence, and asked Comcare to enforce the Act. And every time, Comcare wrote back and said, our inspectors looked at it, we see no breach of health and safety here. So it's not a human rights aspect in a way, but had the Act been enforced, m- most of the breaches of human rights wouldn't look at, they would have been treated properly and that wouldn't have breached the Convention Against Torture and Unusual uh, Treatment and so on. But it, that didn't happen, and that's another angle on the whole situation.
2: And also in your article, you talk about the the decades-long demonisation of refugees and people seeking asylum falsely, implying that almost all the uniquely dangerous criminals must now come to an end. And I think that that's a, a really
1: pertinent sentence. Well see, in a nutshell, Labor had, as my article said, it had had opportunities here to end the demonisation, to end the characterisation of, of um, detaining asylum seekers, refugees, as if they were uniquely dangerous. Whereas when they have to be released just as non-citizens have to be released, no, they're just like everyone else. That was the opportunity. But did they take it? No. They said these are dangerous people, but don't worry, we will protect you.
2: It it really is a parallel to what happened when Peter Dutton was talking about how the Africans are dangerous and you shouldn't be going to restaurants when they're around.
1: Ah, uh, yes, it's so easy to uh, to smear and demonise, and and it sticks. Uh, they're non they're non persons. They're some sort of strange beasts. Uh, they shouldn't be among us. It's uh, it verges on fascism. That attitude,
2: fascism, and 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 because of our economic climate, fascism is is actually rearing its ugly head.
1: Indeed, uh, especially in Trump land, but it's uh, it's emerging here as well. Trump land is in Australia. <laughs> it's alive and well. <laughs> You're right. A lot of people are Trumped. Aren't the, they the the continents are coming together again <laughs> after all this time.
2: Can you comment further about um, the Victorian um,
1: action? Sorry, the Refugee Action Collective's submission. Oh, it's it's um, it's long and detailed, but we've got an executive summary. Um, one thing that we stress, and it was raised by I think Josephine, the, the statelessness issue. At present, the uh, there's a there's a committee called the. Uh, Joint parliamentary, sorry, the parliamentary joint committee on human rights. It used to be originally called the um, scrutiny of bills uh, committee. It does good work, but of course it's got to get time to uh, look at the proposed bill. Well, it didn't happen this time. But one thing we said about that committee: it only has, I think, uh, seven or nine key human rights instruments to check against when they're looking at proposed legislation. Three that aren't on there are, for heaven's sake, the Refugee Convention and the two, Statelessness Convention. They have to be on that list. Absolutely. So it's approximately 4.52. We've got a couple of
2: minutes left, um, Max. Do you want to – let's wrap up the show. So what would you – what comments would you like to make in conclusion?
1: I think looking, this is making a broad political comment. Now, I've mentioned RACVIC and the Sydney RAC, a sort of sister organisation, and lots of supportive groups around Australia want to see the end of um, offshore detention, boat turnbacks, uh, mandatory immigration detention. I'll just mention two quick things. Um, The young woman who was the lawyer on the court a high court case that first made immigration detention mandatory if you're an asylum seeker. She's written a book, I won't go into detail, but she said that at the time that decision made, 90-something percent of people who were waiting for a decision on their visa application were out in the community. And the other thing um, uh, I should mention is that, looking more broadly, you've got all these people... With not just this group we're talking about today, but people who have without a visa, without a, a decision in their fast track case, okay, thousands and thousands in visa limbo, Labor has to manage this. It's just a management issue. If I could use, you know, the simplest um, wording, they've they've got to face up to it and deal with it.
2: Indeed, and uh, look, there are there are a few examples too of. Some people um, that that have been impacted by this decision, I mean, I think there have been a few a few people um, in detention that have had court cases haven 't they prior to this decision
1: isn 't it Yes, and um, I think there 's an appeal there 's a fellow uh, who's who 's put an, uh, an appeal i think you 'd call it to, i think it 's probably going to the high court. Um, there are many uncertainties around these um, these visa conditions, Uh, there are anomalies, uh, many anomalies. And you might remember a fellow by the name of Neil Parra did this epic walk from Ballarat to uh, Albo's electorate and it so happened that he and his family, who have been visa-less, with no work rights, no rights to study, um, no rights to Medicare for 10 years... Well, he got and his family got. Uh, I think one of them had some of those benefits, but not the adults. Um, he got uh, permanent citizen, citizen, Sorry, a permanent residency. I think. Yep. I don't. Was it citizenship? Anyway, he's all right, Jack. But as he said, I did the walk not for me and my family, but for everyone. He founded the Australian uh, Union of Refugees, and he wants to see everyone in that visa limbo situation attended to.
2: Absolutely. Max, it's been a pleasure having you on the show. I've really enjoyed your company and I'm hoping that you come back regularly, maybe once every six weeks well, to do a bit of an update. Yeah,
1: whatever, Marissa, As the um, as the issues arise, RACVIC will be responding. A, because I'm here as a Vic spokesperson, I've sure. got to be careful not to ad-lib too much on my own behalf. But um, You haven't. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I mean your 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 um thoughts are really are really rack anyway, you know. Pretty pretty much, yes. Yeah. But um so yes, happy to come whenever it suits.
2: Lovely. Thank you so much, Max. And we're just wow, it's nearly the end of the show. We've got about a minute left and we're out of here. Um stay tuned every Monday um for the doing time show, four to five PM. And we're gonna be going out now with our theme song Blackfella. White fella by the Rumpy Band, and it's goodbye from Marissa and goodbye from Max. Bye. Be kind to each other. Oops. Oh. There we are, third time lucky. Gorilla Radio.
0: You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to all the W's.3cr.org.au. Black
3: fella, white fella, it doesn't matter what you color, as long as you are true fella, as long as you are real fella.